Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. I'm also the author of a few books, including Weird, Crude, Funny and Nude, The Bible Exposed, The Pops Devotion Series, and A Dozen Disappointing Disciples. If you want more information about my books or to see what else I've been up to, go to my website, tomfrench.com.au. Let's get on with the talk. So over the last uh, 20 or so years, uh, humanity has had to grow in a particular skill that we didn't need before, and that is to be electronic fraud detectors. We get sent texts all the time, emails all the time. You get like a text saying, hi, we're from ConBank and you have $15,000 about to leave your account. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. It's like, quick, click this link and you can stop it. And you're like, oh, I better do it. And then they steal all your money. And we know, we don't do that. And then you get sent an email. Then, you know, when you see the email, you've got to check it and you've got to look and say, you know, other is the font right? Is it, is the, is it coming from the correct you know, domain? Have they used, you know, the, is their grammar good enough or does it sound like... Like someone who doesn't actually work for the company who's writing this email. Like you've got to do all these things. Your brain's got to be switched on. Anytime you get a text or a phone call, an email, you might get an email from someone who is inviting you to go to Kenya and to to, to preach. And you might be like, oh, I don't know about that. You might be getting a, an email from someone who is inviting you to to you know give them a bunch of money because you've inherited billions of dollars. And you're like, oh, I don't know about that. You got to you got to pay attention to these things. Uh, I have had all these emails and particularly I got the email about going to preach in Kenya and uh, I'd read it once when I was a young man. I was like, that seems fun. Maybe I should do that. And so I told some people about it and they're like, Tom, I don't know if that's a good idea. They, uh, they might, you know, I don't know what they could do to you. They might, they might be a scam. They might be invite you over there to steal your organs. I'm like, yeah, but wouldn't it be a good story if that happened? <laughs> So I, I thought, you know, well, let's just check this out and see if it's real. And so I went through the process to figure out if this was a true email. And uh, I looked up the places this this pastor had mentioned and they were real places. So I'm like, well, tick. He hasn't lied about the places and they're close to each other on the map in Kenya. Thank you, Google Maps, for helping me to do my research. And then I found someone that I knew who had been to Kenya and uh and they had done some ministry in Kenya and they knew a missionary in Kenya. And so I said, can you put me in touch with the missionary? And then I asked the missionary, do you know this pastor? And he said, yeah, I know the pastor. He's a strange man, but he's really a pastor. I was like, okay. I was like, sounds real. Let's go. And so I went to Kenya and they didn't steal any of my organs. And it was great. I had a good time. But I mean, it may not have been the smartest thing to do, but I was young and uh, had a great time doing it. Um, we need to be people who pay attention to all the things that are coming at us because we could lose money, we could lose our reputation, we could lose our kidneys. We need to be wise about these things. But if we're paying that much attention to text messages and phone calls and emails, then even more so we need to pay attention to something as important as Scripture. Because if, if we have something like the Bible, and the Bible we are told is God's Word, and in it we have 
the word of life that tells us how to have life that is meaning now and life of meaning in the future. It tells us how to escape the consequences of our sin, how to live in eternal peace with God. If that is true, then it's the best news ever. If it's not true, then we need to know because we've been putting our trust in something that's entirely untrue. So if we've put any effort into figuring out if our emails and texts and phone calls are true, then we have to put a lot more effort into figuring out if the Bible is true. And today, today we're going to spend a little bit of time thinking about these things and we're going to look at whether or not the Bible is trustworthy, whether or not the Bible is from God, and whether or not the Bible is relevant and good for us today. And so the first question is that question, is the Bible trustworthy? Can we trust that what is written in here is what is meant to be written in here? Can we trust that the people who uh, have passed it on down to us haven't been lying to us or making stories up, that they are true accounts of what they claims to be and that it hasn't changed over time? It's important to know these things because there's some crazy stories in the Bible. There's some stuff that goes on there where you're like, ah, I don't know if I should believe that. There's, a, there's the story of Jesus Christ, who is said to be God himself, who comes to live amongst, God's, uh, amongst the people that God has created. And there he does amazing things. He heals people. He brings people back from the dead. He feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. We need to know if this is tr- a true story. And so how do we know if this is, if this is, this is true, what has been passed on to us? Well, the good thing is that what we see in the Bible is that, particularly in the New Testament, and we're going to be mostly talking about the New Testament, because if the New Testament isn't true, then all of Christianity isn't true. And so we're going to mostly focus on that. But we'll talk a bit about the Old Testament as well. But uh, what we have in the New Testament is we have a collection of writings from people who were eyewitnesses of what was happening, or who spoke to the eyewitnesses of what happened with Jesus, or they're the the letters uh, that are written by people who had encounters with Jesus, the risen Jesus, and learnt from him. And so it's important to hear from the eyewitnesses and the people who have seen and experienced these things, because these stories, we need to know they came from people who were actually there. Uh, We often hear stories about World War II, and about the things that happened during World War II, about the, what happened during the Holocaust. And we can hear these stories and we go, that, if we didn't hear them from the people who were there, we might not actually believe them. Uh, my grandfather is, was a Hungarian Jew and he, was a, he grew up in Budapest uh, in the 1920s and 1930s. And, uh, and he was living in Hungary when World War II broke out. And he and much of his family were persecuted because of their uh, race as Jews. And he would tell us these amazing stories about what happened to him, how he had miraculous escapes from the Arrow Cross, which was uh, the the Hungarian uh, um, Nazi SS. And he told, told stories about he, you know, hid out in places and were rescued by people and how he, he dressed up as a soldier and he rescued his family and friends from, uh, from Nazi work camps. He saved people's lives. Uh, and, and you might hear these stories and think they were made up, except that we know the person they happened to. We, I spoke to him. He told me those stories. And you can ask me about them and I can tell you them. And then he wrote them down so that his family would have those stories after he was gone. 
And uh, he, he then also was interviewed by a group called the Shoah Foundation who came and filmed him and he passed on the stories to them. Because these were important stories that we need to hear and need to remember because, so that uh, we know what we are like, we know what this world is like, and so those things will not happen again. We need to keep telling these stories. And the great thing about the, the good news of Jesus is that those stories were passed on within living memory as well. It wasn't like someone, you know, told someone who told someone who told someone and then about 2,000 years later we go, well, we're here now and someone maybe wrote them down at some point in the last 2,000 years, but we're not exactly sure when. No, we know about this. It was, it was passed on by the eyewitnesses while they were still alive. People gathered the evidence and wrote them down. The book of Luke is a gathering of the evidence of the collection of eyewitness accounts. The book of Mark is a collection of the stories we think mostly from the Apostle Peter who spent his time with Jesus. Matthew, we are fairly sure, was the disciple Matthew who spent his time with Jesus. John was the disciple who lived with Jesus and followed him around. Paul was someone who was an enemy of Christianity, but who had an encounter with the risen Jesus. These people who wrote the Bible, they were sharing to us eyewitness testimony. And that we can rely on it because they have passed it on to us within living memory. It's not just, you know, uh, like a game of telephone where people pass it on. Maybe it got corrupted along the way. No, it was written down in within the right time frame so that we know it was within living memory. Um, there are some like things in the Bible, little uh, pieces of um, uh, like trivia, you might say, that show us that this is not a made-up story. One of my favorites I write about in my book, uh, that's not a plug for my book, but I just wrote about it because it's one of my favorites. Uh, it's in uh, the book of Mark, and uh, it's when Jesus is being arrested, and as he's being arrested, uh, it's like one of the most kind of solemn moments of the Bible, when when this hero, the, the one who is known as the Messiah, is, is being taken off to be killed. And all of Jesus' disciples flee. And then it says this, A young man followed him with nothing but a linen, linen cloth on his body. And they seized him, and he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Right in the middle of this most amazing kind of solemn moment, there's a nude guy running around in the Bible. If you were making up a story about the, the Jewish Messiah who came to save the world, you wouldn't be like, let's just chuck a streaker in there. That's what this needs. But you can imagine that Peter was sitting down with Mark, telling him what happened. He's like, and then Jesus was arrested, and we all fled. And, and that was a nude guy. Write that down, because that happened. Like, you don't make it up if it's not true. It's an eyewitness account. And there's lots of little pieces like that. As you read through the Bible, you find all these things. You're like, this was written by someone who was there. But you might say, how do we know, though, that these, these eyewitness accounts have been faithfully reproduced, that they haven't been changed over time? That it might have been that when, you know, Jesus, you know, fed the 5,000 that we hear about, and that maybe, you know, originally he just had a really big picnic and, and there was, you know, there was 100 people there and they had enough food for 90 people, but it fed 100 and wasn't that a miracle? It just got expanded upon and expanded upon. People wrote it down and changed it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit so it became a much bigger deal. Well, we know that's not the case because we have a very... Uh, we, we have very good evidence that what we have written for us in the Bible is has been accurately transmitted across time. Uh, we know this because 
uh, they, we can look back at the ancient documents and we can see that they've got copies of them from very close to the ones that were originally written. So the, the, the whole of the New Testament was originally written within the first century, within, within the lifetime of the things that happened to Jesus. And then we have copies that have come from within about a hundred years of those original documents. We don't have the original documents, but we have the copies. And we have about 5,600 copies of those documents. So we can look with accuracy to see where, the, where there are changes, if there are changes. And if there are changes, they're very small changes. And we can trace where they've come from. Be like, if I wrote a letter today and I wrote it down and then I sent one, you know, one copy of the letter to Sydney and I sent one copy of the letter to Adelaide and then they copied it and they sent it off to some churches and then th- those churches sent some off to Brisbane and some went off to Perth. And then, you know, people were looking back at the copies and there was a mistake that appeared in Darwin. And we're like, oh, well, we know that we see this mistake in Darwin in the letters. We can trace that mistake that it came in Sydney, that when they copied in Sydney, because we've got the mistake in Sydney, we've got the mistake in Brisbane, we've got the mistake in Darwin. But in the Adelaide letters, the Perth letters, the mistake's not there. And so we go, oh, we can trace where the changes have arrived. And, and if there are any places where we're not sure, you can look in the Bible and it says, it says the ancient manuscripts say this or they say that. Or the ancient manuscripts, have some have this story and some don't have this story. No one is hiding anything in the Bible. It's all very clear. And so when Peter says in the passage that we had today, he says, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths, we made, sorry, myths, we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. When Peter says that, he's saying we saw it and we are passing it on accurately to you. And so we can trust that this Bible is reliable and trustworthy. <clears throat> and it is, and it's come to us uh, from people who are actually there. So we can rely on it. But you might say, okay, fine. I believe that this is, you know, this is accurately represented. And the people who were there, they, they saw these things, they passed them on, or written down, it's a big deal. But how do we know that this is actually from God? That this is God's word? It's not just a lot of human stories who have been, that have been collected together. Well, I would say that, our, that the way the Bible is written and what we talk about uh, is that it, it is a collection of things that are written by humans, but also those written by God as well, that he joined with the humans as they wrote the Bible. So the next thing that we see uh, in the passage we had read to us is that Peter says this. Uh, it says, and we have a prophetic word, uh, more, oh, thank you. <clears throat> and we have a prophetic word, uh, more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy has ever produced was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what that's saying is that when people wrote the Bible, God was there and God was helping them. And so we still have all the human, 
you know, parts of the Bible. We, we see the personalities of the writers come through, but like a ship is carried along uh, by the wind, uh, so the people who are writing the Bible were carried along by God as they wrote the Bible. And that's the claim of the Bible, but is that a true claim? Can we rely on it? Uh, when I was a teenager, one of the, the, the writers that I loved reading the most was a writer named Tom Clancy. And he would write these books uh, that were books where there was, you know, like lots of, you know, tank battles and, you know, naval battles and spies. And, and then they go into great detail on there's one book where they went in a lot of detail about how to build a nuclear weapon. And as a, uh, as a teenager, I was like, look at all this great technical detail and I can learn about guns and missiles and tanks and spies. It was really exciting. And I loved reading these books. And then one day I read a book. I was reading, and it was by Tom Clancy, and I was like, this doesn't seem quite right. And then I looked at it a bit more carefully, and it said, said Tom Clancy at the top, it said, with another guy. And I was like, oh, what? I think this was mostly the other guy. And then that went for a while, and I didn't really read them that much. And then eventually they stopped saying Tom Clancy with another guy, and they just said Tom Clancy's so-and-so. And it's like, Tom Clancy didn't write it at all. He didn't pretend to write it at all. He just had his name on the top. It was like... He, he owns the book, he gets some money from the books, but you know he didn't have anything to do with the books. And I was not interested in them at all. I was only interested in his books, the ones which had his words in it. And, and if the Bible is, claims to be God's word, then we should only be interested in it if it is from God. I mean, we can be interested in it as, as a piece of ancient literature, but it's only valuable to us to change our lives that's worth living out if this is God's word to us, if his words are on every page of the Bible, if he was there making sure that everything that was written is exactly what he wanted to say. So how do we know that this is true? Well, the first reason is that the Bible tells us that it's true. Uh, it says uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. So what that's saying is that the Bible is telling us that the Bible is God's word. And you might say, hold on, that's a circular argument. Because how do we know the Bible is God's word? Well, the Bible says so. Well, how do we know that's true? Well, the Bible's God's word. Well, how do we know the Bible's God's word? Well, the Bible says so. Well, how do we know that's true? Because the Bible is God's word. Like, it's just a circular argument. But the problem, and that's true. But the problem is, we need to have this circular argument in the Bible. Because otherwise, we'd say, how do we know the Bible is God's word? And we're like, I don't know. Does the Bible say that? Oh, no, the Bible says it's a pack of lies. We're like, well, I'm not going to believe it then, am I? The Bible has to be self-authenticating because otherwise there's no reason for us to trust it. But there are other reasons beyond that than, than that we can trust it. One reason is that the, the, Jesus treated his scriptures as God's word. So he, he had all the Old Testament. And the way that he read the Old Testament was not just that it was a collection of things that people had written down, but all of it was God's word. So we read in Matthew chapter 19 that Jesus is having this fight with the Pharisees. So they are the, um, they're like the, the Bible scholars of the day. They, they loved, you know, people reading the Bible and sticking to the Bible. And they're having a fight about, you know, what happens with marriage. And so Jesus says this to them. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, and he quotes from the book of Genesis here. He said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, 
and the two shall become one flesh. That's Matthew 19 verses 4 and 5. And Jesus there is saying, God said, therefore man shall leave his father and his mother. Mm. However, if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, God didn't say that. That's not a quote from God. That's the, the writer of Genesis is adding their commentary to what was happening in the creation account. But when the writer of Genesis writes it, Jesus reads that and goes, well, if it's in Scripture, written by the writer, then it was God who said it because God was with the writers of Scripture. So Jesus believed that the Bible is God's word. And so if Jesus believes it and we believe in Jesus, then it to some degree should be good enough for us. The other reason why I think we can believe it is that the Bible tells a coherent story from beginning to end. The Bible was written by about 40 different authors across the space of about 1,600 years. That's a long time. And it's a long time to tell one story. When I uh, was, when I first left school, my first year out of school, I decided I wanted to read the entire Bible. So I was like, I'm going to spend a year reading the entire Bible. And I did. I spent a year and a half reading the entire Bible in a year. It was great. And I had a good time. And what I found the first, as I did that, the first time ever, I realized that the Bible is not just a collection of, you know, wisdom and interesting stories and laws here and there, but is one overarching story of a God who created the world and created a, a people and he created people for himself. And those people rebelled against him and he worked to bring them back to himself first through uh, the witness of his nation, Israel, and then through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived and died and rose again for us and then invites us to a relationship with him so that we can enter into a new life with him now and a new creation with him in the future. That's one story that we see from beginning to end across the Bible. Now, that's a hard thing to do, to do that over 1,600 years with 40, 40 different writers in different parts of the ancient Near East. It's, it's, it's impossible to get that done. If you've seen the Star Wars films, uh, then you will know that that's a hard thing to do. There are nine films in the Star Wars sagas, written over about 40 years by a few different writers who were all living at the time that they wrote it. And as they did it, you, re you watch the first three films that were released in the late 70s, early 80s, and they're quite different from the, the second three films that were released in the late 90s, early 2000s, which are very different from the last three films that were released in the last 10 years. There's not one coherent story there, and they could have compared notes. They could have sat and said, how do we get this right? But they didn't. If they can't get it right for Star Wars, how could they get it right when they, if they were making up the Bible across time and space where people were, were thousands of years apart were trying to compare notes? It's impossible, but God has done it because God has made sure that his word is true and has been brought to us and it tells us the, the story of his love for us so that we can be in relationship with him. So the Bible is trustworthy, and the Bible is God's word. But the last question is, is it relevant? And is it good? Should it make a difference to our lives today? See, when I was in year six, we first got the internet at my house. It was really exciting when we first got the internet. Uh, like, I'd heard about the internet, and I went to my parents. I was like, can we please get the internet? And they're like, oh... I guess so. And then we talked to my grandfather, who was, uh, uh, as well as being you know, a hero of the World War II, was a computer man. And so he built a computer for us, and then he, he got us a modem. And the modem was a thing that we connected into the, the phone port, and then it would dial up, and it would go, doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo, 
and make these noises. And it was really exciting. And I remember we got this modem, and, uh, and it was a modem that was, was a 14.4K modem. If you know what that means, then it was very exciting. And then we upgraded to a 28K modem. It was great. And I remember holding the, the, the manual in my hand, and I would look through it and I'd read the manual. Like, this is so exciting. And I, like, I plug this in here, and I can look at these lights, and these lights mean this and that. And I could bring that manual in now and you'd be like, wow, that's really interesting. And the manual was, was, was trustworthy. It was written by the people who made the modem. And the manual was relevant at one point because it helped me to use the modem. But it's entirely irrelevant now because I don't use that modem anymore. And if I tried to use it, I couldn't use it. There, there's, there was no, there'd be nowhere to connect it to. It's, it's totally irrelevant. And maybe that's what the Bible is like. It was a great thing at the time, but, but it's not relevant today. Except that when we look at the Bible, what it teaches us is it teaches us timeless truths about who we are and who our Creator is, who He's created us to be, and what He has done for us so that we might be in relationship with Him. It answers the question of why are we people who want to do good, but we so continually participate in the evil? It answers the question is why is this world so broken when we don't want it to be? It answers the question is when is it going to be put right and how is it going to be put right? It answers the question of, of what can we do to make ourselves right with God and right with, with each other? And it tells us the story of Jesus Christ, God's Son who came and lived and died and rose again for us so that we might know how to live, that we might be set free to live the way we were created to live, that we might be forgiven for the sins that we have done, that we might be set free in relationship with God, that we might be empowered by God's presence living with us by His Holy Spirit, that we might be empowered to love other people and share the good news of Jesus with others. The Bible is relevant and remains relevant and it remains good. Because it shows us how to live the way we were created to live. Uh, we, we look through history and we can see the impact the Bible has taken, has made on the world as people have taken the Bible seriously. We see that um, the relationships between men and women have been transformed because of the teaching of the Bible and people have taken it seriously. Women are no longer treated uh, as, as property of men, but as equals with men because of people who looked at the Bible and took it seriously. Uh, we have schools that teach people, uh, rich or poor, today because of people who read the Bible and took it seriously. We have hospitals who want to help people uh, when they're sick and in need, um, and we have them today because of people who took the Bible seriously. Uh, we have the human rights that we have today because of people who read the Bible and took it seriously. We have the, the abolition of the legal slave trade because of people who read the Bible and took it seriously. The Bible continues to change people's lives as people see God and what he has done for them. And they see Jesus and that he has given his life for them and welcomed them into a new life with him. The Bible shows us a God who lived, died and rose again. And we can trust that fact. And because of that, we can give our life to following him. And he will, just as he's changed so many other lives, he will change our lives as well. The Bible is good. It is relevant. It is from God and it is trustworthy. It is worth paying attention to. And so what does all of this mean for us? Well, if you are someone who is a Christian and you already believe the Bible, 
then what's important for you is to continue the work of discovering why the Bible is trustworthy, to continue to spend time reading the Bible, to continue to spend time putting it into practice, because in the putting it into practice, you see that it is good. As you put it into practice, you will see that it works itself out in your life and you see the goodness of it. It's not just good to know that it's there on the shelf and it's an interesting book, but it's good when you actually live it out. That's when you discover it the most. Like exercise is good in theory, uh, but it's not useful for you unless you actually go and do it. And as you go and do it, then it becomes, it actually, you realize you feel the goodness in your body. You enjoy it sometimes. And, uh, and it changes your life. That's like the Bible. As you live it out, as you put it into practice, you see the goodness worked out in your life. So don't just trust the Bible intellectually, but trust it in the way that you live, in the way that you love, in the way that you obey others, even the stuff, sorry, others, obey God, uh, even in the stuff that you don't, maybe don't like in the Bible, trust it. And you'll see that it is good and true and it works itself out in your life. And if you are someone who is not a Christian, then what this means for you is that you need to take seriously the claims of this book. You need to take it seriously, if only because it has transformed the world that you live in. And if it is true what it claims about who God is and who we are, then you need to pay more attention to it than even those scammy emails that you get and those scammy texts that you get. Because while they might take your money and they might take your reputation This tells you how you might have life and life forever with a God who loves you. That's much bigger than anything uh, that is on offer in those emails that you get. And so pay attention and check it out and ask God if it is true. And you'll discover that the Bible is trustworthy, it is from God, and it is relevant and good for your life. How about I pray for us? Uh, Father God, we thank you uh, for your word and we thank you uh, that you have given it to us. Uh, We thank you that uh, in your word we see how you have dealt with us. And you've dealt with us in love. And you've shown us in your son how much you love us. You've saved us in your son from the, the punishment that we deserve and welcomed us into new life with you. You've shown us that we can have life after death in the story of his resurrection. And the resurrection that is available to us too. I pray for anyone here who... Uh, as a follower of you, that they might trust your word and not just trust it in their head, but trust in their life and live it out. Pray that we might be obedient to what you teach us and see its goodness as we are obedient to you. And for anyone who does not trust you at this point in time, that they might look at your word and they might see that it is good. And as they discover that goodness, that they might be willing to put their trust in you and change their life because of what you have said to us in your Bible. I'm in. Well, that was the talk. Thanks for listening. I hope it was helpful for you. If you want more talks, to watch my videos, order my books, or book me to speak, go to tomfrench.com.au. It's my home on the internet. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash twfrench or on Insta or YouTube at twfrench as well. And don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts so that other people might be able to discover it. Till next time, have a good one.